0: Welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another uh, foray into the world of aquariums. And again, I'm pleading for you. Please come up with something good for me to, to start with a, a better lead-in. All I do is say, the world of aquariums, if you noticed, it went from botanical, black water, to whatever. Now it's just aquariums. Anyway, that's just me. I'm still learning this little art of podcasting, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, but of course... The art that I'm really talking about is aquarium keeping, and in particular, the art of uh, creating natural-style botanical-influenced aquariums. And it's it's been constantly evolving, and there's new techniques and applications for botanical materials pretty much being worked out by hobbyists all over the world almost every day. And as more and more hobbyists utilize the, the real abundance of materials that nature seems to offer us uh, to create these really cool aquarium displays, the collective body of work and best practices of our craft kind of move right along with it which is very cool. Now, curiously, one thing that hasn't noticeably evolved during the time we've been playing with this stuff is our fishes. I mean, they kind of do what they've done for eons in the aquatic habitats, right? They're remarkably adaptable creatures, particularly when it comes to their physical surroundings. So let's face it, no matter you know how we aquascape a tank, our fishes are ultimately going to adapt to it. They're really good at it. They'll find the places they're comfortable in hiding in, the places they like to forage, sleep, and even spawn. It's what fishes do. It's what they've done for eons. And as aquarists, we've pretty much done for a century or so the practice of trying to create optimum conditions for the fishes we keep. Hats off to us, of course. And this, of course, encompasses both the physical uh, and the chemical uh, environments. And and I should be more specific, the physical structural environment. We've talked a lot about the chemical environment over the years here Uh, vis-a-vis our botanical-style blackwater aquariums and so forth. You've heard me bandy about the term functional aesthetics many times before. Today, let's just think for just a few moments about the physical structural element and the physical structural environment that we can create for our fishes and the role that it plays in their lifestyles and why it does. And of course, how to apply this knowledge to our aquarium practices, or we'd be wasting a lot of time here, right? (laughs) When we were planning an aquascape, We spend an enormous amount of time selecting the right materials, the rocks, the woods, and of course now the botanicals, to get that right feel to our scape. This is, for many of us, a most enjoyable and interesting phase of your aquarium build, and of course it is. Yet it's very easy to sort of reinvent the wheel and attempt to edit the way nature looks and attempt to configure an aquarium based on factors that have less to do with the unfiltered appearance of nature and more to do with our artistic interpretation of nature, that's been so glorified in this hobby. Now, take yourself out of that mindset of, I'm going to enter this one in the aquasaping contest and place in the top 500, you know, mindset for just a second and put yourself into the mindset of, oh, a fish. Yeah, think like a fish for just a second. I mean, sure, I'll bet that fishes like living in those insanely cool scapes you see in all the contests. However, when you think about it, those are mainly designed and constructed for the pleasure of humans, Right. They're designed for our tastes, specifically for the human judges who evaluate a design based on a specific set of criteria, which only my extreme levels of self-restraint and tact and decorum keep me from criticizing in a very scorched earth fashion. I'm not going to go there. I mean, Iwagumi looks really cool, but I'd hazard a guess that you won't find many of these submerged stonehenge structures in the natural streams and rivers around the world. I'm just gonna go out there on a limb and and put that out there and make that speculation. Now, what would be a, a better approach to more natural aquascaping? How about considering just how the fishes will actually live in and interact with the aquascape you create? And my suggestion on how to pull this off effectively? Again, think like a fish a bit more, really might be kind of fun and educational to think about where your fishes are found in the natural streams, lakes, flooded forests, and rivers that they come from, and kind of work backwards. I mean, fishermen have been doing this for eons, right? That's how they find where the fishes are. Why not us as fish hobbyists do the same thinking? It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I think so. I really do. So let's look at a few of the features in natural bodies of water where fishes are commonly found. This might give you some insight into how to incorporate them into your next aquascape. And we could just kick this process off with a very cursory look at rivers and streams, where probably a good chunk of the fishes that we keep in the aquarium world seem to come from. Here's just a few of the, the many, many, many features that rivers in rivers and streams and so forth that fishes just love to congregate in. Now think about how you might consciously incorporate some of them into your next escape. So, first off, just a few sweeping generalities. Now, fishes, as you probably know, tend to live in areas where the food and protection is, and we've talked about previously. Now, places that provide protection from stronger current and above and below water predators are also important to fishes. Places where they can create territories, interact, spawn, and, of course, defend themselves. Now, structures called bends, bends in streams and rivers are particularly interesting places because the swifter water movement will typically carry the food, and the fishes seem to know this. If there's like a a tree branch trunk or a big rock or a group of rocks to break up the flow, there's generally a larger congregation of fishes present in those areas. So the conclusion here is that at least in theory, if you design your scape to have a higher like open water flow rate and include some features like rocks and large branches, you'll likely see the fishes hanging in those areas. Now in situations where you're replicating a faster flowing stream environment, think about creating some little rock pockets or you know, maybe on one side of the aquarium to create these calmer areas. Your fishes will typically orient themselves facing upstream to catch any the food particles that just happen to flow through the current. So from a design perspective, if you want to create a, you know, really cool rock feature that your fishes will likely gather in, orienting the flow towards it would be a good way to accomplish this in your aquarium. Now, among the richest habitats for fishes and streams and rivers are what are called drop-offs in which the bottom contour takes a significant plunge and increase in depth. Now, these are often caused by current over time, or even the accumulation of rocks and sometimes fallen trees, which sort of dam up the stream a bit. You know, you see that in in the Rift Lakes in Africa too, right? So that's kind of cool. Now, fishes are often found in drop-offs in big numbers because these spots afford depth, which, you know, thwarts the hunting efforts of those pesky birds and typically slows down the water movement and all the little nooks and crannies in which they can forage and hide and spawn um, are really important to these fish and of course it creates a more restive you know dining areas for fishes without you know strong currents to whisk them away or to fight they're typically found near the base of tree roots from an aquascaping perspective of course tree roots and replicating that part of the underwater habitat are really compelling a lot of cool opportunities there now, if you're saddled with one of those seemingly ridiculously deep tanks, or even a you know even a drop-off aquarium, perhaps um, a drop-off type aquascape could be perfect to replicate. And of course, as I alluded to above, there are commercially made drop-off tanks now. So consider how a drop-off style encompasses a number of different possibilities. You know, all kinds of little niches, as it does in, uh, in just in nature. You can literally have a few different sort of micro niches in one aquarium. Um, with that type of configuration. Now, the other thing that you see a lot in in like jungles and forests, as you've seen from the many photos that we've been putting up lately, uh, overhanging trees and other forms of vegetation are pretty common in these areas. Fishes tend to congregate under these plants for the, the dimmer lighting, the thermal protection, and of course the food, which is insects and the fruits and seeds and so forth that fall off trees and shrubs into the water. That's what we called. Alakthonus input, and we've talked about that many times uh, here. And of course, if you're talking about leaf litter or botanically influenced aquascapes, a rather dimly lit kind of shallow tank could work out pretty well too. And of course, in areas that are prone to seasonal inundation, you know, the rains and overflow from streams, you'll often see trees and shrubs partially submerged with their branches or root structures projecting into the water. So imagine replicating that look in an aquarium. You know, contemplate the behavioral aspects in your fishes that such a feature will foster. I mean, it'll be something really special. So you're talking about lots of leaves, small pieces of wood and seed pods on the substrate, you know, doing what they do, breaking down, and and that would just complete that look. And for a cool overall scene, you can introduce some riparian plants to simulate the riverbank, for that matter. So you can create a really rich habitat with a lot of opportunities if you're creative and, and challenging yourself So why not create sort of an analogous stream or river feature known as what's called an undercut. Now an undercut is pretty much the perfect hiding spot for fishes in a stream or river. And undercuts are features that occur where the currents have cut a little cave-like hole in a rock or substrate material near near the shore. You've probably seen them before. It's like a little inlet almost. Now, not only does this provide a lot of protection from birds and from you know other above-water predators, it gives the fishes sort of express access to deeper water for feeding and to escape other predators. And trees growing nearby add to the attractiveness, of course, of an undercut for fish, for the reasons we just talked about above, and um, that subdued lighting would really work, and in an aquascape it would work perfectly. So you can build up a significant undercut with lots of substrate, lots of rocks and some wood. Sure, you'd have some reduced water capacity in your aquarium, but the effect would be really, really cool. You know, aquascaping in general, um, as we've come to know it in the hobby, is really part art, part science, and every bit an interpretation of the natural world. And although we spend enormous amounts of time and energy, you know, encouraging you to look at and replicate nature and form and function, it's still a hobby and you should do what moves you. Yeah, in the end, design and build the aquascape that makes you happy, regardless of the style or design theory that you embrace. You got to love, love what you're doing or it's just no fun. However, if you're trying to create something just a bit different and perhaps a bit more true to nature, you might want to take a little field trip to a nearby stream or river, a creek, a lake, whatever, where your fishes and other aquatic animals you know, live and just observe things from the perspective of how they interact with the features of the environment. You'll find it very interesting, and very telling. At the very least, it might open your eyes a bit and give you a different perspective on the way, you know, wild aquatic habitats evolve, function, and, and host fishes. You should get outside and do this once in a while. You'll definitely leave with some inspiration and some ideas and just maybe a slightly different perspective on aquascaping than you previously had. I know I do every time I go out. You'll notice subtle details, which when applied to an aquarium, can provide a really unique look and function for your fishes. So it's something to think about. In the end, just gaining a professional perspective and a new inspiration for your hobby is never a bad thing. So thinking like a fish isn't such a bad idea, is it? Till next time, this is Scott Feldman telling you that always you should listen to everything I say. No, you shouldn't. You should take everything I say with a grain of salt just like you should from anybody else. But always stay curious, stay inspired, stay creative, stay inquisitive stay bold, stay objective, stay focused, and always, always, always stay wet. Thanks again. We'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye now.